nothing. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Oh, hi. Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host, Christina P., uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back, dude. I took a little hiatus. Uh, I had to, you know, bros, sometimes you just, you gotta do nothing. And, um, I, I sat down to try to record the show last week, you know, and you're just like, I, I got nothing. <laughs> sometimes you got nothing. Sometimes the only thing you can do is your dishes, you know, or just do some laundry, or uh, just sit down on the couch and, and pet the dogs and uh, and uh, watch a movie on Netflix, which is what I did, man. And that's all. It's all good. But I'm back and I'm full of uh, ideas and I've been inspired and I've been on vision quests and I'm going to share all of it with you. Also, come see me at the Comedy Store, May 27th and May 28th in La Jolla, California. La Jolla, that's fancy San Diego. Also, I'm at the Comedy Store in Hollywood most Saturdays uh, in the early show if I'm not doing a show elsewhere. Um, That early show is like at 7.30 in the the original room, and it's so much fun. Oh my gosh, the Comedy Store. It's like been totally uh, revitalized. It's the coolest. I mean, last night alone, Bill Burr was there, myself, Kirk Fox, who's hilarious, um, Chris D'Elia, you guys know him <clears throat> from television shows, famous people, Bobby Lee's always there, just so many, so many great, Duncan Trussell, you guys know Duncan, of course, Joseph Rogan. And uh, many more, many more. So really, if you're bored on a Saturday night, go down to the store, man. It's, it's so much fun. And let's see, what else? Twitter, at Christina P. Also, hey, man, do you shop on Amazon? I hope you do, because uh, I do ev- almost all my shopping now through Amazon. And use my banner on thatsdeepropodcast.com. Just go there, uh, click on my banner at the bottom of the homepage, and just do your shopping as you normally would. It just kicks back a little bit of change to the show. Okay, let's get to it. Speaking of, let's get to it. Um, so yeah, bros, this this week, I uh, like I said, I spent a little quiet time. I went into my inner sanctum. I went into my meditation cave, which is just really my shower, I think is where I do most of my thinking. <laughs> and I, I, I came out, I came out with this, um, with this, I really started thinking about this week. I, I stumbled upon upon uh, Patty Smith of all people. Um, I, I of all people. I don't know why I say that. I absolutely. I I I know who she is. Um, if you don't know who Patty Smith is, you, you gotta you gotta check her out. Just Google Patty Smith. Um, she's like one of the fucking OG gangsters of punk rock and, and, but her music isn't punk. It's more like the precursor to it. Cause she came around in the seventies, like 76, the year I was born, she was huge. And, uh, she has this album called horses, which is the seminal album that like everybody loves. 
it's just similar to the you know Miley Cyrus's latest bangers with a Z, right? Uh, where a different producer produced every single track, but it, you know it's, it's similar. Patty Smith is similar to uh, Miley Cyrus uh, in that she is hot, right? You got to be hot in the music game now. Um, every song has to be about doing it. <laughs> Who doesn't like doing it, right? Let's sing about it. By the way, Rihanna and her new album, there's a song, the last song, where she just goes, sex with me is so amazing. It's <sighs> crazy. Who says that? <laughs> Who says that sex with them is so amazing? Wow. Anyways, let's open it up. I want to get more into Patti Smith because it, it goes into a whole other topic, I think, which is the self and... Um, how do we define ourselves and how do we use technology today to define ourselves and to help other people? I think it's kind of a a cool, a cool lane. Let's, let's see where this goes. Okay. Let's kick it off with Patty Smith doing her fucking amazing thing. Here we go. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton pot of thieves, wild cord of my sleeve, thick heart of stone. My sins, my own, they belong to me. Me. Smith's just a little she's so intense dude like I've been listening to her for the last couple weeks she's just super intense it kind of uh it almost makes me uncomfortable her intensity level maybe because she's super emotional you know it's kind of the way like Tori Amos made me feel in the 90s I couldn't really I, I couldn't do it like I fucking I feel like I just start menstruating the, min- the minute I listen to this kind of stuff like it ow <sighs> too emotional but uh, wow, what a great line, a great opener. Jesus died 
uh, was it Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine? Oh, shit. Now I got to f- play it again because I, Jesus died for somebody's. It's what a great line. Really, uh, I think, sums her up, right? Listen to that. That's a fucking great line. One more time, one more time, Patty. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Oof, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Wow, fucking deep, bro. I like that. I really, I heard that line and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. What else you got, Patty Smith, for me? Um, and I really like that she's so androgynous. If you, if you, Google image search Patty Smith, you're not going to find a, a makeup airbrushed, <laughs> you know, uh, Miley Cyrus y, Taylor Swift perfect looking woman. You're going to find a very androgynous, very boyish looking woman who doesn't wear a, just no makeup, you know, and she even now she's aged and she looks like a witch. And it's like, it's so fucking cool. And she dresses almost homeless. Like I've been l- looking at interviews with her on the internet and, and she just wears like fingerless gloves, knitted fingerless gloves in interviews and her hair is just ratty and her teeth are so um, <clears throat> un-2016, if you know what I mean. They're so, they're just, they're from the 70s. They're 70s people teeth before we bleached the shit out of them and had them straightened and veneered and perfected. You know, it harkens back to a time when beauty was really a commodity and that not everybody was beautiful. And so when when beauty came around, it was like really a big deal, you know? And when Brooke Shields came around, uh, Mila Jovovich or whatever, it's people were like, holy shit, you're so pretty. Your, your teeth are naturally that straight. <laughs> your, your skin's amazing. So Patti Smith is this androgynous um, kind of subverse very not kind of but extremely subversive female artist and kind of weird to come around at the time when our beloved prince is gone oh i can't believe he's dead it's it's so horrible that prince is gone um for so many reasons i mean number one look uh, the time of the weirdo is gone uh that era of musician of of david bowie's and the the princes the feminine male um it's it's i don't know if it's totally gone but it's definitely it's not it's not there <laughs> as much as with prince and with bowie but i mean prince come on yeah forget it we, we could do 20 episodes on that guy and, and his legacy and his immense talent and and who didn't learn about masturbation through that song darling nikki if you didn't learn about sex through purple rain we can't be friends I mean, I sh- I remember like buying that album as um, like a what was I maybe it was maybe like eight years old, and um, this is before parental advisory lyrics were splattered on everything, and there was hysteria about what children could and couldn't listen to, and <laughs> um, I mean, I watched Purple Rain in the movie theater with my dad. And I remember Apollonia's tits and, and Lake Minnetonka or whatever the hell. Uh, and just it blowing my mind that there were boobs in a movie, first of all. And that this little man in heels riding a motorcycle was considered a heterosexual sex symbol. Uh, which brings me to my point that when you look at someone like a prince who objectively, let's keep it 100 here, wasn't 
a typically handsome, you know, six foot three built, yoked out bro, he was kind of a squirrely, effeminate, petite, tiny, adorable, little, purple leprechaun. But he sold it to us that he was sexy. He made you think he was sexy. He oozed sex appeal. Right? I mean, how the fuck he convinced all of us that we wanted to sleep with him? And he wrote songs about sex. It was, that was his lane, love and sex and heartbreak, which, by the way, I mean, apparently he had a very tragic life. If you Wikipedia that guy, holy moly. A um, lot of loss, a lot of death. He lost a one-week-old baby and some great loves of his life gone. I mean, he never talked about that stuff, but wow. Talk about a lot of pain and a lot of overcoming pain. Um, but which leads me to my, my, my stream of consciousness this week, um, which was to the invention of the self, the recreation of the self. And um, David Bowie was excellent at that too. I think um, I had a, we had an episode here. We talked about synchronicity with Carl Jung and I had my friend Mark on here and uh, who's a psychotherapist. And he was talking about how um, David Bowie uh, inhibited, inhibited, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Guys, I don't sleep ever. Inhabited different um, archetypes in different times of his life. And then the last album, Bowie, essentially, it was his swan song. It was the death of you know the death card whatever and um yeah archetypes people invention of the self and uh, i came across this wonderful wonderful interview with patty smith and she's it's a 1976 and she's very young and very androgynous and very oh shit don't tell me i closed this motherfucking window uh i have to find the interview again uh but she's really really in it, you know, and people are really in, oh, here she is, very, very into her art and very into being Patti Smith. And so here's a few minutes of this interview that kind of uh, blew my mind a little bit and got me got me down this wormhole that we're going to go down. Here we go. Oh, make sure my volume's up. Here's Patti Smith in Stockholm in 1976. I like Bob Marley. Bob, Bob Marley. Marley. I think is real sexy. I like Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Television. Cult. Television. I like Leo Fender for inventing the Fender guitar. Bob Dylan, obviously. Bob Dylan's a sexy guy. He's all right. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom is inside of me. It means that I'm not hung up with like anybody's idea of how I should be. You know, I'm outside, I'm outside of society. I'm an artist. Rock and roll is my art. I'm a nigger of the universe. And I'm free because I can leap up and scream. I can put my fists up in the air. I don't give a shit, you know. I'm not afraid of death. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of uh, anything except for uh, fear itself. I mean, that to me is the greatest thing to fear. Is fear itself, collapse of the imagination. Otherwise, I feel pretty good. My father was sort of a beatnik, and he believed in... The one thing my father believed more than anything else was the development of the country of the mind. 
He believed that the mind was a country and you had to develop it. You, have to, you had to build and build and build and build the mind. That was his, his whole philosophy, is the development of the mind. My mother believed in the development of the heart. And I believed in the development of the hands. So we, between the three of us, hand, heart, and ha head, hand, head, <laughs> they're all H's, H-H-H. H-H-H, that's good, hand, heart, and head. I think about liberation, that's tough, liberation of yourself. There's a, it's like the huge liberation game. A lot of people are walking around uh, saying how free they are and, you know, saying all these uh, dangerous sex words to demonstrate. Yeah, but if you, if you talk about anything too much, you know, if you spend too much time defining what you do or telling people that you're free or, or being defensive about your freedom, obviously you're not free. Right. You know, it's like... You, Anytime you have to push things down people's throat, I mean, I don't, I don't have to, I don't try to seduce, I do what I do. Ten people come, ten million come, great. What I do, I believe in, you know? It's like liberation and all, there's a lot of movements, whether it was like beatniks, hippies, women's lib, they're all just new political structures, they're all new dogma, they're just, to me, as soon as... We want to initiate change, but as soon as you get it, you structure your change, as soon as you start writing patter, as soon as you write uh, some political order, you write dogma, you're right there with Catholicism. You're right there with communism. Anything, anytime you start stating this, this, and this, rules and regulations, you're no longer liberated. You're just like a new, a new political game, whether it's religious you know, spiritual, whatever, social. It's all like uh, the Doors song, break on through to the other side. Yeah, and then after you break on through the other side, then you break on through to the other side, and the other side, and the other side. I mean, our point is that you can, you spend your whole life keep breaking on through. You can't just break on through once and think, well, I've made it, I broke through. There's a million membranes to break through. There's a million places to go, you know. You move to another direction, another dimension, big deal. We went, to, we went to the moon, big deal. We went to Mars, big deal. We keep moving and moving and moving. You know, Muhammad went through seven heavens, big deal. I want to see the eighth heaven, tenth heaven, thousandth heaven. You know, it's like break on through the other side. It's just like going through one door. One door isn't enough. A million doors aren't enough. You have to go beyond, beyond one reflection, beyond the mirror, beyond, beyond. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dudes. Did you get deep on that, bro? Yeah, I fucking, wow, I saw that and I was like, what is this broad talking about? And then, um, and then I was like, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Um, the constant evolution, right, of one's consciousness, the importance of developing one's consciousness, the importance of a developed mind, right? That's something we talk about on this show a lot. But what really, um, really tickled my taint uh, with Patty's little diatribe here, which I really liked, was the idea of, uh, you know, she's, she's trying to be free, which really, I don't know if that's even... Um, possible when you live in a society when you live with influences but like the idea especially in the 70s was huge that 
um, you could you could be free and you could live outside of the societal structures. Um, what, what they tell you to do. What what is it to be a woman? What is it to be a man? What is it to be um, a person? Yeah. And I really I love that she says she's not afraid of death. Uh, the only thing she's afraid of is fear itself, which is really, really, isn't that just the, uh, the essence of, of it all is being afraid of, of, of the fear. Uh, that's like all of human, um, not all of the, all of the drama, but a huge chunk of it. But I love the idea of the invention of the self of forcibly liberating one's mind from existing structures of the bullshit. And boy, you take one look at Patti Smith and you know this broad does not buy into a lot of the horse shit of, of, of the day. And that, I'm just talking about her appearance. You're like, yeah, she gets it. She's her own pony. That's for sure. And so um, on the heels of this idea, also, it's so bizarre that this just came in this morning. The topic, um, somebody writes, self-love, how girls are constantly comparing and putting themselves down. Just that, just that topic. And how, who better uh, to, to kind of lead us into this uh, is, is a Patti Smith. And um, it's really interesting because in, in this time that we live in, where uh, technology has sort of liberated people to a whole new level where you can, you're not just subjects. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not only looking at images that the dominant media source puts out. You know, there used to be what 10 channels that I watched growing up, <laughs> two, four, five, seven, nine, 11, 13, and the newspapers, the handful of newspapers and magazines in existence. And that's where you got your images from, and that's where you got your information from, and that is how you learn to be a woman, how you learn to be a man, how you learn to be a a mother, how you learn to be, you know, a good wife. Uh, you learn to be a strong man. You learn to take care of things. I don't know. And so this whole new technology has opened up gateways, and and supposedly, let's hopefully, you know, use it, use these mediums to liberate ourselves from the dominant cultures. Um, images and stuff, but it's not, it kind of hasn't gone that way yet. I think people are still mimicking the stuff that they see in, in popular culture, which is, uh, which is kind of a bummer, you know, cause like why, why, when we take our selfies, why is the duck lips? Everyone takes the same selfie, you know, more or less. Um, everybody posts the same shit on Facebook and Instagram. Everyone's doing the same shit. Um, on the other hand, you know, hey, what a fucking cool time that you can put up anything you want. If you want to make music, you can make music. Put that shit up on the internet. Do you want to write whatever? Put it up. You can put anything up and anybody can see it and it can unite uh, millions of people, which is so fucking cool. Patty Smith. Okay, so here's Patty Smith. Um, with her wonderful New York accent. I just I I love this old school. Um, East Coast. She's so East Coast. It's so it's so um, it's so harsh, <laughs> but so endearing, and she's so tough. And uh, I love her. She wrote she wrote horses, and then I know I know she had a couple of kids and dipped out of out of music for a minute, and then came back. Unfortunately, once her husband passed away, and she had to make a living again. Um, and uh, she wrote some huge songs because the night that is her as well. So um, she also dated in the 80s, in the late 70s, a guy named Robert Maplethorpe, 
Maplethorpe. Uh, if you don't know who Robert Maplethorpe is, try going to a bookstore and looking at his photos. <laughs> I used to work in a bookstore called Bookstar uh, in the summer of 1990. Was it six? I worked at a bookstore in Woodland Hills in the San Fernando Valley. Probably one of my favorite um, crummy jobs to have just because I love books and I, they, they give you sections and my section was self-help. <laughs> hey now, ironic. And um, it's really hard to work in a bookstore because at the end of the night, like at 11 p.m., we would close and you have to reshelve all the books that every asshole in the universe pulls down off a shelf, reads for two seconds, and then just discards. And so you have to run around with like a stack of 50 books and just frantically restock. You have to vacuum. You have to clean up the toilets. And uh, summertime in the San Fernando Valley, it's notoriously torturous. Um, it's a, you know like 120, just oppressive valley heat. Um, and it's so oppressive because the, the hills surrounding the San Fernando Valley kind of lock in that heat and it's like a, an oven and uh, it's just torture. And if you don't have an awesome air conditioning system, what do you do? You go to the mall, you go to the movies, now you go to a Starbucks. Back then, Starbucks was just coming around. Uh, but you go to Bookstar. <laughs> and you sit in my bookstore all day long and, and you read books. And you sit in the window ledge and bring your coffee in and take your shits at my store because you're there all day. And then you read my books and you fuck up my life. Um, yeah, the bookstore that I worked at. Why did I even bring this one up? Fuck. Oh, Maplethorpe. Uh, so there were a few books that summer that were huge hits. Pat Conroy's Beach Music, The Celestine Prophecy, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and then my two favorite books. I mean, these two gave me such a kick when I was working at the bookstore was The Anarchist Cookbook, because that was kept in a plastic wrap, was not allowed to be unwrapped, and it was kept behind the counter and you had to specially request it to view it, and you had to be over 18, and I had to check your ID and make sure that you could view the Anarchist Cookbook because it taught you how to make some kind of explosives. Uh, it was a very subversive book for the children. And then there was the Maplethorpe book. Oh, the Robert Maplethorpe book. Now, impressionable young Christina P., I was maybe 19 years old. I lived a year in San Francisco. It was my first year. I had been to the Exotic Erotic Ball. I had been to the Folsom Street Fair. I had seen dudes fucking in the street. I had seen a man in a pink leotard riding a unicycle down Haight Street. Um, I'd seen homeless dudes masturbating. I'd seen a lot. And then I saw Robert, Robert Maplethorpe. Um, Google image search that or just go to the bookstore and see if they'll let you look at his artwork, his photographs. He's a photographer from the late 70s and the 80s. Um, and he did portraits, notably of Patti Smith, because the two of them were romantically linked and uh, became the very famous photo that's on horses the album cover Maplethorpe took as well. You know, he did a bunch of portraits of famous people. Uh, but what he's really famous for is a lot of dick pics. Mm, mm, mm. And not just white dicks, 
big black cocks, like really, you know, threatening the establishment, the fear of the black man's uh, penis. And so, you know, there's like photographs of a man in a suit with his big black dong hanging out. Um, and then there's varsity level Maplethorpe. That's like JV squad. Okay, a few dicks. And then there's, you know, dildos and buttholes and fists and assholes and leather cock and balls being tortured and all these fun things that you have to be over 18 to see in a bookstore. Um, But for the time, very subversive, very cool, very threatening to the establishment. And so in a weird serendipitous, right, union synchronistic thing um, in this hiatus that I took, I took a break from life for a few days and my husband and I, uh, we did things like go to McDonald's and get a Sunday, and we, uh, we went to the Getty, which is stunning. If you visit Los Angeles, I recommend you go see the Getty, uh, museum and it's not just a museum. It's in the Hills and the Santa Monica mountains here. And, um, it's a gorgeous, you know, architectural marvel and there's garden and lawns and tourists and you can have lunch there you can drink alcohol there it's just it's a wonderful place and as we're walking up whose exhibit is there robert maplethorpe and as i mentioned i'm into patty smith this week and she and maplethorpe are romantically linked and he took the album cover photo for horses and i thought this is crazy man that wow we gotta go i gotta go see maplethorpe you know and of course, the Getty, they had the famous portraits that he did, a couple of dongs, you know, like a few black dongs. But no, where's the fisting? Maplethorpe, where's the, where's the fun stuff, Getty? Where are the cock and ball torture pics? Show me some old school cock and ball torture. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't have the real art. You know what I mean? They had the, the kid-friendly version of Maplethorpe. Uh, but anyway... Yeah, so Maplethorpe, big gay guy in the 80s. He, he ended up being a gay dude and unfortunately died of AIDS. Um, but his work is really cool. And now here's the thing. It got me to thinking because I was I'd never really read about him. And there's this one piece, installation, whatever the hell they're called, where he had photographed all the art gallery dealers in New York City at the time, like the hot shit ones, and he put them together, and that was the work. And, uh, and my husband was like, wow, that's really brilliant. You know, not, not just artistically, but um, kind of politically, right? Like, isn't that the way to do it, where you take a picture and you flatter the person um, who you want to give you an art installation or an art, whatever. What the fuck is it called? When you, you know, you put your artwork in the, in the gallery, you flatter the art gallery owner and therefore you get your work in there. And uh, we were reading more about Maplethorpe and it said that his main objective was fame. He was very into fame, wanting fame. And um, that was the ultimate goal here. And it, and it really got me to thinking like, wow, how many, how many artists have I, um, idolized how many how many people successful artists in, in every area have I been like wow this person's so beyond anything I can do or or wow they must be the the most talented in their field and that's that's why they are revered and remembered um 
and not so much. And if you actually, if you read a lot about um, really successful people, like P.T. Barnum was the master of bullshit, of of getting people interested in what he was doing, creating spectacles, creating scenes, getting attention. And um, not to dis- not to discredit Mabel Thorpe's work because it is a maze, and he's super talented. Uh, so are many other photographers that I'm friends with that you're like, God, I really, hmm, why isn't that guy in the museum? And then it got me to thinking that we are all <laughs> Maplethorpes. We all fist uh, black dudes together in a sense. Um, and what separates you from them? Talent sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, there needs to be talent. But also belief in oneself and pushing your agenda on other people, um, imposing, imposing your will, flattering, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff that goes into being successful. It isn't just talent. So for, and I only say this, um, if you're listening and you're thinking, Oh, I could, uh, you know, why start taking photographs? I'll never be a Maplethorpe or I'll never be, I'll, I shouldn't paint cause I'll never be a George O'Keefe or I'll never be as famous as blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. <laughs> bullshit uh because you can be and um these people are we're just people people very driven to be noticed and very focused on being noticed not all not all but some and um and it even uh, it was so interesting with Mabel Thorpe it even said like he gave himself this pompadour 50s haircut a hairdo and he wore like a, a greaser 50s jacket like it was a very intentional manipulation of his image to get attention. Um, again, this idea of inventing the self, of, of projecting who it is you think you are and who you want to be. And, uh, and tangentially, Andy Warhol's mentioned in all of this because you know they're in New York City at the same time. And Warhol was possibly the, the best spinner of this art um, nonsense where he said himself, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. He invented this idea that anything and everything can be exploited to be famous if given the right spin, right? So if you look at the Campbell soup can, the idea being that it's an everyday American object, right? You, everybody is familiar with that soup can, but Andy Warhol took it. He made it look a little special, a little fantastic. He marketed it essentially and people went, holy shit, I've never seen the soup can like that before. And then it becomes art, right? Because Andy Warhol's perceived as cool. He's got a funky haircut. He's a big weirdo. And everyone gets interested in him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know a ton about the art world. I know very little. I know I know um, this documentary called Exit Through the Gift Shop. That is, I think it's on Netflix now. Yes, about Banksy, this, you know, graffiti street artist, is he graffiti? I don't know. He's a street artist. Um, and this other guy um, called Mr. Brainwash, I think is his name. And it's a really great documentary illuminating this exact point that I'm making about, uh, you know, what is art? Who gets to make art? Is it is it the person whose sheer force of will makes it happen? Because there are artists like Jeff Koons who he outsources the production of his artwork. Um, Jeff Koons, I'm sure you've seen his stuff. You've seen the balloon animal, like the balloon animal dog that's enormous and made of like, I think, aluminum and super shiny. That's Jeff Koons. 
And people have beef with him because he mass produces his artwork and he doesn't actually make it. He just has like a factory full of people making his art. And then, you know, he was a great marketing person too. And he had it. (laughs) I just was smart about how he did it. (laughs) God, I'm so glad I'm not an artist because that's that is that is one industry that is a thousand percent bullshit driven. You know, there's like there's like excuse me, there's like ten people that decide what's art, right? The people that own the Getty or that own these galleries, and then the American public goes, yeah, yeah, no, I guess that's uh, you know that's that's art, right? I don't fucking know. I listen. Your mom's house gets submitted artwork every week that I'm blown away by, you know, but hey, their name's not Jeff Coons. Their name isn't Maplethorpe. You got to have the right name. You have to write the right image to go under it. So don't let this shit discourage you is what I'm saying. <clears throat> don't you dare think that you shouldn't start something or be creative because you think you'll never be as successful as so-and-so. Um, because there's a lot of forces that are unseen that go into someone else's success. You never, 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 never know. Again, not to discredit the people that do shit, but um, there you go. So that's kind of in line with the idea that I had about in- inventing the self. And when you look at these people, and this is kind of in line with what this person just emailed me this morning, um, self-love, how girls are constantly comparing and putting themselves down. Well, let's change it to to all people, not just girls, right? You look at yourself, you look at your neighbor. I'm never going to be as successful as Maplethorpe, you think, as you're the photographer. Uh, or, or you look and you, the thing is, no one's fucking portraying themselves as who they are anyways. <laughs> right? The pompadour, the jacket, uh, the Facebook status. You don't know. Uh, you know, you got no fucking idea what goes on. Um, in people's real lives. The image is very different than what happens on the inside. I guarantee you that. And the longer I live, the more I know, you know, most of us are living the same misery. Most of us are suffering the same stuff. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color you are, what orientation sexually, you're non-binary, you're, (laughs) you're, you know, trans, whatever you're, you're black, you're white, you're red, you're blue. It doesn't fucking matter, okay? We're all going through this this life the same way, the same fucking misery. Anyways, Patty Smith. Okay. Exit through the gift shop. Check that out. Uh, hold on. I had some notes. Oh, okay. So, yeah, man. Small on, on the side note um, about not letting... Uh, how not to compare yourself to other women or what the fuck. First of all, don't feed the machine. And by that, I mean, don't take the selfies that everyone's taking. Don't do the duck lips and uh, throw, don't, don't throw your hat in the ring of bullshit. <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of one way I've opted out. Um, you know, because I'm a woman, I'm going to be 40 in June. Uh, and, uh, you know, God, that's that's tantamount to a death sentence in L.A. I, I may as well just go ahead and fucking bury myself. If I listen to them, if I listen to society, if I listen to everybody that um, the the pressures to be you know perfect and be skinny and have tons of Botox and filler, and I should uh, be fit, I should be happy, I should be on Prozac, I should be perfect. I can't do it, and so I choose to opt out. I. Uh, I'm not looking. I don't look. 
I don't look at the magazines. I don't look at um, shit that makes me feel bad about myself. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't look at um, gossip magazines um, at the supermarket checkout. I don't. I don't do it. I don't look at celebrity stuff um, because it makes me feel bad. <laughs> it makes me. It, it, it just doesn't feel good. Um, I opt out. And I invite you to opt out too. I invite you to not, just don't compare yourself. Don't fucking look at it. It's, I, feel, I feel so much better about myself when I'm not looking at Jennifer Aniston or Kate Hudson's ass. Trust me. Especially someone that's had a kid. Get, get the fuck out of here. I'm not looking at other bitches that have had kids that, that look you know, amazing right now. I can't do that. If I, if I look there, I'm going to lose perspective on what I'm doing. I can't. I can't. And you got to look at yourself for the amazing miracle that you are. I know I've said this before. You, you, the unlikeliness of your birth is, is amazing to begin with. The fact that you've, you, out of the millions of eggs and sperm that came together, you came about, that in and of itself, the gift of human, a human birth, right? You could have come to earth as a caterpillar, as a monkey, as a, a cow, but you didn't. You came as a human and you've only got so long here, so don't worry. It, it, listen, it goes by so fast anyways. Um, you don't have to hate yourself through it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I had this epiphany. I had this epiphany a while back where, um, I don't know, I think it was uh, my mom being dead where I was like, wow, nobody's here to criticize me anymore. Nobody's here to make me feel like shit all the time. Why do I feel like shit? Oh, because of my internal dialogue <laughs> because of my self-parenting the the hateful voice that i've instilled criticizes me i'm doing it now my mom doesn't have to do it i've done it for her and i had this epiphany the other day where i was like wait wait why am i criticizing what i'm doing and why why can't i look in the mirror without automatically having the you know ugh that that repulsive ugh especially because I've just made a person come out of me. How miraculous is my human body? How miraculous are these hanging tits and, and flappy vagina? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I did that. And I have a whole new respect for my, for my form. It's as blobular as it is right now, it's, it's where it is. But what if I just didn't, what if I had this thought of, of like, what if I just stopped criticizing? What would happen to me? What if for fucking once I stopped hating every thought I had and judged everything I did and just enjoyed being me, <sighs> right? What would happen, dear writer, dear emailer, if you just stopped and fucking enjoyed your life, enjoyed yourself, enjoyed being wherever you're at. Cause that's really all you can do, right? You can't, you can't change everything all the time. Oh, um, what if? And so that's kind of been my, uh, my mantra lately is to kind of enjoy, uh, where I'm at. <laughs> I just, oh no, my computer just took a shit. Here, let me try restarting it. As I'm talking to you, good luck, right? Let's see what happens. But yeah, I mean, what is the point of beating yourself up? But right, I mean, what if? What if you just stopped? That's a crazy idea. 
And it's totally possible. It's totally possible for you to control your thoughts about things. Anyways, I've been doing that a lot lately where instead of just um, allowing the, the horrible thought that I have about me or what I'm doing, I just accept it. I just go, oh, but that's who I am. That's what I'm doing. And I accept it. It's kind of been nice. It's really been freeing for me. Um, and also if you're a young person and you're like, I, I, I totally get it, dude. It's so hard to not compare yourself to other women, to celebrities, to people that, um, make you feel like shit. Basically, I implore you to look in our history. Uh, first of all, looks and what's considered beautiful changes over time. Uh, look at the Renaissance. You could be fat back then. Look at the seventies where people were anorexically thin in the eighties. And then look at now, which you have to have huge, perfect D tits and look like a Barbie doll. It all changes and it'll fluctuate and your body type will come around eventually. Uh, But I implore you to also look at the past. Look at pictures of people when they were people. Google things from 30, 40, 50 years ago. Google the people that were famous then to give you perspective. Google people like Patti Smith, whose teeth are jacked up and who don't wear makeup. Um... Look at the look at before plastic surgery, what people look like to give you some perspective. Because I know if you're really young, you don't remember a time when people looked like people, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, and it's fucked up because people like a Patty Smith can't really exist today, or the Ramones. Look how ugly the Ramones were, Jesus Christ, or um, Prince for that matter, would never exist today. Janis Joplin never would exist today. Oh. That's <laughs> my computer restarting. That's Skype. Um, and you know how to not um, compare yourself to others? Fucking don't do it. Thousandth heaven. There's Patty Smith talking again. Great. Don't do it. Don't do it. Ignore it. You have every, every way to ignore it. I swear to God. Uh, Wayne Dyer, the guy that just died, who wrote Your Erroneous Zones and a million other books, wrote um, to go against the good opinion of others. I love that idea. And you can, you really, it is just that simple of going against the good opinion of other people and starting your own, um, Instagram aesthetic, uh, take on, take unflattering selfies and put it up to support other people who aren't perfect. (laughs) Um, and what I like to do as well is to, I like to criticize men, um, and their appearances. When I hear men doing it around me, um, if we're watching television and some dude is like, that chick's not hot. I love to point out who's not hot in the male categories. I do it constantly. I think it's fun. I think we should be equal opportunity criticizers of a people's uh, appearances. So there you go. Hate everybody. That's my uh, advice to you. Opt out. Drop out, bros. Tune in. Turn on. Drop the fuck out. Make your own dance, right? Because you can. You absolutely can. Media is not controlled anymore. It is, it is, but now there's other outlets. You don't even have to buy cable anymore. You don't have to. <laughs> you can opt out. You can create your own world. And I'm going to do it. Patty Smith said, technology democratized, democratized art. Everyone can do it. Everyone has access. The possibilities are endless. Do you realize we can overthrow governments now? We can do it all because we're united by technology. Power to the people, hippies. Power to the people. I love it. That's it. That's all I got for you, bros. I'm going to go back to my Sunday. 
I started, I wasn't going to record this today, but my husband, um, I was going to go take a nap while the kid sleeps and I laid down next to him and, and, um, and he was snoring and I wanted to punch him mercilessly until he died in sleep. And then I thought I could do that or I could record that's deep pro. <laughs> I'm glad I chose this alternative. Um, but I'm going to go downstairs now. I'm going to make myself uh, a nice frozen pizza. I just, I, you know what? This week when I took my hiatus, I also realized how much I love shitty processed latchkey kid foods. I love Salisbury steak. God, I love um, shitty macaroni and cheese that comes with it, like the lean cuisine. I love frozen pizzas. Mama Celeste, oh, with the weird chunks of meat. I just fucking, the Supreme version, I love it. I love, um, they don't make them anymore, but they used to make hot dogs with the chili injected in them already. That was amazing. Um, Craft macaroni and cheese. Yep. Old school, all the time. I don't even put milk in it. That's how poor we were. I grew up, we never had milk, so I just made it with butter and water (laughs) and powder. (laughs) Shit is delicious, man. Love it. Love it, love it. Crab shaky cheese, ramen noodles, but mostly frozen dinners. I really have an affinity for disgusting frozen dinners and like canned foods. And I know it's from living with my dad for, you know, those weekend dad times because he didn't cook. And I would just live off of Chef Boyardee stuff and um, budget gourmet frozen dinners. Ugh, I don't even think budget gourmet exists anymore. I don't, I don't know. But, um, Oh, there's something just like, it's just like home. I eat it and I feel like I'm back in childhood. <laughs> no, you know what's the best? I take it back. The French bread pizza. Oh, get your life. The Stouffer's French bread pizza, any flavor, hot as fuck in the middle. You burn your mouth because you can't wait for it to cool down. It's so good. It's so good. It's so crunchy. Oh, I'm starving. Okay. Um, so have a great week, bros. Uh, it's been deep. And listen, man, if Patty Smith can do her thing, if she can put her fist in the air and be free, you can too. Fuck it. Fuck it. Stick it to the man. Blow it up. Throw a brick in the fucking windshield. Don't listen to them. You do you. You love you. And fuck the world. Thank you very much. Okay. I love you guys. Um, and that's been, uh, it's been deep and we'll, we'll talk again next week. Okay. I love you. Goodbye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's tea, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.